Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Nintendo! If you're tuning in for Nintendo news this week, you might be surprised because you're actually not getting that. Uh, if you're if you're more interested in Nintendo Voice Chat, which is a show you would normally hear in the spot, check back la- uh, second week of January where we will have our traditional show. Uh, and with that, let's just kick off this. I guess this is now tradition, right? Yeah. What is uh, it called? I don't know. Is this, Ryan's what I don't know. Is, is it the Missing Note po- podcast? Maybe. Uh, it's something like that. I am Jose Otero. That, of course, is the voice of Per Schneider. That guy's a maniac. 
Why'd he bite me? <laughs> We're quoting uh, video games. I'm kidding. And uh, with us once again is Brian Altano. Hey, what's up? Brap, Brap. Who is awkwardly not participating in the really good uh, table read. Well, I'm trying, to feel, I'm trying to feel out the vibe of the show because you guys are making, I know it's sort of a secret episode. What? Where even your tones are kind of husher. You're a little Shh. more quiet. Why are you You're speaking l- so loudly? See? Like, yeah. you, hold on. You can't, you run this place. No oh. one's going to come in here and bust you. Yeah, <laughs> but but there may be some fans out there who are upset because they're not getting their regular NVC episode. Well, you we'll gotta get, be quiet. We'll, we'll give them something cool and fun and personal right. instead. Yeah, 2016 will be full of Nintendo. Uh, excuse me, episodes about Nintendos, full of Nintendos. Um, but instead, we <laughs> decide to do something different once a year. Uh, we're a little late with this one, but let's just kick it off, right? What, I mean, what do you guys want to talk about? There's a couple things we should talk about. I mean, I think personally, we should go over our game of the year choices. Yeah, uh, regardless of platform. Wow, we should do our own version of. Uh, the NVC Webby, let's call it, uh, like do our own little awards. Uh, Will we do our, our Nintendo picks next week then? Uh, yeah, I think okay. we should do our, our big, like, what was the best game of 2015 uh, for Nintendo-related stuff next year. Uh, cool. But I'm asking you guys, what was your game of this year? Or the game that impressed you the most? The game that really kind of latched onto you and didn't let go? Nice. I actually did not, I didn't vote in the official IGN game of the year. No, for a big reason. I, 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 was, I was busy. Mm-hmm. over the break and I didn't get to play some of the really big games that I felt like I needed to play in order to make a judgment call unlike the big game of so the year. So voting is an yeah. option for you is what you're saying. Yeah, it's an option you... for me but I mm-hmm. I didn't because while I, I 100%ed Rise of the Tomb Raider. I love that game. Really, mm-hmm. really like it. I, I don't no. think that... Did you really 100% that game? Yeah. Are you kidding me? No. Because that, 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 that almost well, broke Miranda Sanchez, who wrote our guide. Well, I didn't do the – I don't do the crazy platinum trophy crap. I, okay. I find every item in the game. That's 100%. I mean, I got I got maybe 82%. There's a lot. Yeah, no, I got There's it a lot all. in that game. Yeah. And there was some, there was some stuff that, that was tough to find. Really liked that game. Mm-hmm. Didn't think it was quite as good as the first one. One was the kind of the freshness factor. I really liked the Japanese setting in the, in the first one. And I felt like this one, you could almost feel they were like trying to get the Xbox One to do things that the PS4 was supposed to do. Like some of the big open areas were, were chugging a bit. Really? Like it didn't feel as, it didn't feel as tight as it should after all this time in the Oh in, man, in I don't know. Like I, but it I, was good. I it, really it, like it. It never really felt like a technical struggle to me to, yeah, to play that game. That village didn't feel like it was kind of needed a little bit longer in the oven. No, the whole village I stage. Mean, I so I my takeaway from Rise of the Tomb Raider was that it was remarkable and a noticeable improvement over the original oh, not the original, its predecessor yep. in almost every way. Yeah, in except, almost every way. Except for I felt like the feel of the world and like the coherence of the world, I liked I liked a little better in the in the first one, and I loved the setting so much more. Right, but then this one had a couple more tombs, not as many as I would have hoped for. I thought they were really going to go supersize the tombs and the little puzzle areas, mm-hmm. but I will say, man, the snow effects and just the like the sense of being there was just awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and like I mean, seeing that ship half frozen in the side of the, oh, the yeah. ice wall, yeah. like that, those kinds of moments were really special. Mm-hmm. I think well, you have a lot of those sort of like climb to the top of a hill spin the camera around and just like stare yeah how gorgeous Mm -hmm. it is and it was weird to me as you know as a nintendo fan talking on what is traditionally a nintendo podcast i felt like rise of the tomb raider really scratched that itch of sort of nintendo adventure games yeah to an extent like i got a lot of like zelda vibes off of it some metroid yeah totally which i i really love that sort of um 
you know, come into an area, try to figure out how to progress. You can until you get certain weaponry and a certain item. Yeah. Um, and then use that to, to defeat puzzles and bosses and enemies and stuff like that. It's a very traditional sort of Zelda Metroid format. And playing it uh, in Tomb Raider, now t- two games in a row, is so rewarding. And I yeah. really, really love I, I was even, you know, there's even sort of like Resident Evil 4 vibes you get off of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That whole town defense thing yeah. felt very Resident Evil 4. Yeah. We're not going to give any, like, big story or, uh-uh. or level spoilers here. But obviously a lot of the game is set in kind of like the snowy waste, right? Yeah. There's some, it opens up with a desert stage and then it immediately drops you into the cold. But then it has these kind of hidden away tombs that are more kind of traditional Tomb Raider and right. like almost tropical. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. It was a really, it was a really cool game as as always. I thought the character and the voice acting both are really, really good. It didn't have that same reward for me as the first one where it felt like he, she was a fish out of water and then she becomes more and more confident and powerful. Yeah, but it's and a then quick like turn in that first game. I mean, it is. She goes from I killed my first person to it, I killed by five hundred. Yeah. It, it is. She kills way more people in this <laughs> in one. Oh, and, yeah. and like what one thing I didn't realize immediately after playing it, I'm like, wait, the first one had all these quick time events. I totally forgot about them. Right. This one they to- toned that way down. It was all about Good. you know, you still have the thing where you jump and you hit the button so you don't slip or fall. But like it had Which it, I thought it was, was a great mechanic. Yeah, by it was the way. way more about just kind of exploration and fighting and had some mm-hmm. cool new mechanics well built they in, they toned down uh the quick time events and in turn toned down the horrible punishing death sequences that came with them uh, there's a few in this game <laughs> not but as many if yeah. you're if you're playing this game hoping to see Lara Croft get another tree through her neck or anything <laughs> like that or get crushed by rocks doesn't happen as often yeah, the, that was a little hokey in the first game I think yeah it, it was yeah. actually very it was very jarring you know to have this like sort of like strong character just get I mean even in, in my in some of my favorite games of all time don't have death animations like that yeah, yeah. You know? I think they were going for though it is, it is a the story is kind of a, a crucible right in yeah. terms of uh, just this this this, uh, this very difficult journey um, and for her it's a journey into being a you know who Laura Croft ends up being which yeah. is this like world famous adventurer but yeah, it, it really bothered me in the first game. I think the second one looks f- fantastic. I didn't run into technical You didn't any technical play it stuff. yet? Or are you, I played you, a little yeah. bit of it. I still haven't gotten uh, far enough because I decided to sink some time into something it's, else. It's really but good. I, really I mean, I really it. loved it. I think it's a, it's a must-play. By the way, I thought the death, um, the harsh death scenes were a cool replacement for what used to be the the punishing reality of death in a video game. Right. Like, you used to be really worried about dying because it would reset your progress mm-hmm. by 20 minutes. The original Tomb Raider games had horrible falls, like whenever like Lara would yeah, fall and yeah, miss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, you obviously had load times and all that right. stuff. And so I, I feel like, you know, they still it bothers you when you die in a Tomb Raider game. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was really good. I did not yet play enough of Fallout. Like, I, I'm going to play a lot of Fallout. Sure, sure. But I didn't play enough of Fallout to be a judge of how good it is. And I, I've i started uh, Witcher 3, um, started Halo 5, some of those games, but I haven't gotten that deep yeah. into them yet. Yeah, Fallout, I put in, oof, like 25 hours, okay. I want to say. Like, something crazy. Um, and what I really liked about that game, and this is... If you are trying to stay wary of Fallout spoilers, I'm not here to spoil the plot. I'm just going to talk about my experience. Um, but if you're trying to go in blind, like just skip the next five minutes, I guess. Um, <clears throat> I do really like that when you get out of the first vault, first of all, the first vault is still clever mm-hmm. and it's still a tutorial, which is yep. really smart. You really get like sort of the, the a grip on how combat works. And then when you come outside, 
your first story objective is significantly far away. Mm-hmm. And I really like that because that, to me, is the developer having a lot of trust in you just saying, go off. Like, see where you end up. Like, see what you discover along the way. In other words, um, after you clear the vault and then you clear the next town, it just points you off in a direction. Yeah. And it's like, go. It, it's and like, wow. I, I played some of that. Mm-hmm. I, I love the trepidation of stepping out into this giant world. And Fallout 3 did that too, right? Like, yeah, you walk out, you're like, holy crap. Like the, yeah, and, and by not having the objective so close, which is happens in every Zelda game, happens in Witcher, happens in all these games yeah. where the objective is really close, the first yeah. one, it actually makes you think a little bit. You're like, wait a second, I just fought these radioactive bugs. What's going to be out there? And yeah. you're a little worried about stepping out. Well, and, the, and your counter-argument could be that, like an Ocarina of Time, Hyrule Castle is far away, but yeah. there aren't a ton of things that can happen to you right. on the way through Hyrule Field. Whereas this uh, this field, this area, Boston, is just full of things for you to wander into. And I think yeah. that that game does a fantastic job of maintaining the illusion that things are happening around you, even when you're not there, or or just th- these random events kind of sell the world in a way that I rarely see open world games get right. Like, I feel like Metal Gear is a fantastic game. Metal That's the other one I played a lot of, um, yeah. But at the same time, wandering through that desert and going through Afghanistan or through the or through the uh, woods in Africa, I never, jungle in Africa, excuse me, I never for one second uh, felt like there are things happening while I'm not at these bases. Like, well, I rarely there's, got the feeling. There's no wildlife. Well, well, it is, yeah, but... even but the soldiers themselves, like, I don't feel like, uh, for example, like, I'd never, imagine a, a random event where uh, in Metal Gear... Like, will a soldier stop his car in the middle of the road because he ran out of gas? And you'll wander into a conversation about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are scripted events in Metal Gear. Like, when you find the translator, uh, excuse me, the interpreter, he is teaching someone else English. And right. he's saying, last night I slept with your girlfriend. He's teaching him how to say that. Yep. That's a fun event to wander into. But you can't just stumble into that event, in my experience. That only happened when I triggered mm. that mission. Yeah. And I just don't Me- see too many things like that. That's where Metal Gear is a little bit more like Shadow of the Colossus, right? Where there's a world that connects all these different fights and totally. battles. Yeah. But it's not a world where you know you, you just encounter these things like you would in a Grand Theft Auto yeah. or in a Skyrim or Fallout. Mm-hmm. And in The Witcher as well, right? Like The Witcher, you walk around in this ginormous world and you're you're encountering like characters and like there's there's nothing on your kind of like your marker quest log pointing towards you and uh, towards an event but you walk in you're like wait what's going on here why why are these people hanging from a tree why is everybody crying right like yeah. you're trying to explore yeah. and find out what happened yeah. um, and so really like a, that a ton of time in fallout just yep. going okay i'm going to chart this world and i was just going from settlement to settlement Picking the place clean, hmm. taking all the stuff back to the uh, the Red Rocket, uh, whatever. Um, Do you have collectoritis? Do you pick up too so much I stuff? I don't normally in games, but this game, I did it to the degree that it kind of burned me out on it. So I, I actually put Fallout down for a while okay. because I spent uh, a large, large amount of time just exploring the northwestern like quarter of that game and there's so many things to find there's so many settlements there's so many like little computer entries and and just things you That's stumble on some cool on. stuff yeah yeah it's it is so impressive to me um from the perspective of sandbox now i don't think what what always bothers me is that Bethesda games are a little janky um I didn't have any really bad episodes but i've heard horror stories i haven't had anything really bad happen to me i haven't lost a ton of progress right. Um, due to some kind of weird bug. I did see something hilarious. Uh, we were going to get in the elevator. It was a small elevator. I was there with someone from uh, a faction. 
he got in the elevator, I got in, and then the dog uh, only made it halfway through and was like looking at us both in the middle of the doorway and the door is shut and the dog is still there. And then the elevator goes up and you just see the dog go through the floor. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it was great. I, I laughed so hard. I mean, it, it breaks the immersion, but at the same time, I could not help but laugh at I, how hilarious I thought that bug was. And I, I feel like we have an article somewhere on the site that talks about Bethesda games and like what those bugs do to the experience experience like I always feel like I I forgive them right like even with with Elder Scrolls too like I had crazy stuff happen to me I lost progress or I couldn't get this quest item until they patched it like there are always these issues but because the world is so big and there's so much to do you kind of understand why these issues happen and like it's the same with with Witcher as well right like you're riding your horse and then you hang halfway in in the in the side of a cliff like if you were playing a Zelda game you would be like you would be furious. Yeah. It, like you wouldn't you wouldn't expect that to happen, and you would be pretty upset if it happened. For the most part, I mean, I, yeah, the they wouldn't time, allow I don't it. Like yeah. when uh, when people get really salty about uh, bugs in a Bethesda game, like I think uh, I can't remember who I was talking to, but one time it kind of came up that uh, Bethesda games are are incredibly janky and therefore not sort of worthy of the level of praise that they get. And I think that's 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 a bit of a shame to look at it that way because I think they, they do shoot for the moon and they don't always get it right. Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't say that, but I would say that the level of ambition and the ideas are there that I don't want to say I forgive there, them entirely, but I think they deserve extra credit. Like, there's an acceptable know? level of jank that the audience has deemed okay for Bethesda <laughs> games that if jank. that same level was applied to say something with a Ubisoft or EA logo on the box, mm. there would be pitchforks in the air. Oh, because sure. we saw a fraction of that with the Assassin's Creed game two years ago, and it was like, this this is a monstrosity, this is broken, it's mm. shipped this, they're ripping us off, blah, blah, blah. And I think with 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 Fallout specifically, and Bethesda games in general, I don't want to I don't want to use the words free pass because that's really stupid and rudimentary. Yeah, yeah. But there is an acceptable level of being like, oh well, they're trying a lot. So yeah. that means it's okay that when this happens, which is sort of just like if I, you know, if I went to a restaurant and the food was messed up because there were 200 things on the menu and I'm like, that's a you problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a, I'm just trying to eat. Is. Yeah. That's a buffet. I'm just no trying to, I'm just trying to eat dinner, buffet. you know? Yeah. The, I mean, the difference between a Bethesda game and, and a lot of the other titles is that you have this freedom of trying things in a different way, right? Like Assassin's Creed Unity, by the way, I played it. I didn't encounter any faceless people or mm-hmm. any of these glitches. There are glitches in the AC games, and I know there were more glitches before it got patched, but the it was completely blown out of proportion yeah. oh, as to how glitchy no, this game I, is. And yeah. I, I had, you know, I encountered huge crowds of people, and they worked just fine for yeah. me. Now, what you couldn't do in the Bethesda game, though, is look at a house and say, all right, now I could lockpick this house and steal everything inside and kill the person who lives there. Or I could go in and that person will give me a quest and I'll do that. Or I'm going to check their computer, right? Like there are all these things you can do. And then more so, you can just use it as a playground where you take, you're like, I'm going to take a bunch of these plates and I'm going to stack them on top of each other and then I'm going to get on top of those plates. Like, you can't do that in a lot of games because the designers are far too scared of what you can do when you build a tower out of plates and you get to the secret Yoshi on the on, on top right. of the building, right? right. Like that, There's always and, one up there. And I always love that about those games that you can, <clears throat> yes, you can absolutely start to break the world yeah. because yeah. you're doing stuff, but at the same time, you can also but I, I mean, I had just ta- explore it. I had times where I threw a grenade 
and I didn't know what was going to happen with that grenade until it exploded, <laughs> which means I would throw a grenade and you would, I would hear an explosion and either I died or all of them died. But that scene in the middle was cut out. It was like I was watching a made-for-TV movie. Yeah. It, it just, the frames jumped. Yeah, and I don't really yeah. care if after that fight I can pick up a spoon and bring it home. And turn it into a... I want to be able grenade. to throw a grenade in a video right, game. Nope. You know, no, like, and I, and I, I think it's that, a fair... Because I, I played as many now. hours as you did, Jose, yeah, yeah. and I walked away with a very different experience. I mean, I really wanted to love Fallout. I, my, my big issue with a lot of the big open world games in 2015, and I think open world games in general, same thing happened with me with Metal Gear, where I was, you know, I wasn't so hot in the beginning, and then I really warmed up to it and absolutely loved it, and eventually burned out on it. And it happened with The Witcher, and it happened yep. with Fallout. Tomb Raider, Bloodborne, these are games I finished, yep. you know, where it's like, I was like, this is done. Yeah. But a lot of games, games like Fallout, I, a lot of people don't really finish them. Is that because just, they're so dauntingly large? You just or? stop playing them. Yeah. It's just, it's not like, oh, I beat it. I completed it. Well, I, I think I, it depends on your approach. Some people take the, the, the straightforward campaign approach, right? sure. where they want to just, okay, I'm only here for the story. I want to finish the story. Then you have other folks who, you know, like do what I was doing, where I was clearing out and gathering as much as I could in the apocalypse because I was like, hey, they're not going to kill me. I'm going to kill them. But what about your um, son? You know, uh, we weren't together that long anyway. Exactly. Well, see, <laughs> but, so that's, but that's the other part of it. You get to inject your personality onto the, your actions and the way you handle the world. And my key problem with Fallout actually wasn't a tech issue. I do feel like it is a nice successor to Fallout 3, but it's a little too much like Fallout 3 to me. Yeah. Mm. And then my second problem is, and uh, I don't know, maybe I'm the only person who feels this way, and I didn't know the original. I don't know Fallout 1 and 2. But I learned this from Dan uh, Stapleton, the gentleman at IGN, our reviews editor who reviewed it. I brought it to him and I said, look, I really like Fallout, but I think my the most disappointing thing about it is that sometimes I don't want to solve a problem with a gun. I want to see if there's a way out of it with a conversation. Right. And there is no once the bullets start flying, there is no way to do that in this game. Mm. Even if it's a button that I just press to say, hey, I'm I'm not <laughs> trying to like I'm unarmed, I come in peace, like something. Even if they just respond to hell with you. Yeah. At that point, I know, okay, now I'm gonna shoot you because yeah. I try to resolve this peacefully. And either I didn't have the stat to do so, or you just don't want to listen to me, and now it's on. You're well, like, dear radioactive cockroach. Yeah, let's not fight. Let's no, talk I'm about more this. More about like super mutants. <laughs> I'm talking more like like raiders. Like, yeah, right? yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I don't think every problem needed to be solved with a gun. I agree right. in that game, and there are some conversation-based problems that don't even involve shooting. Yeah, and I get they, that part. But a large, but, uh, but they're set up that way. But a there large, are a lot of uh, things uh, you can have conversations with certain characters or you can have a fight with certain characters mm -hmm. in that game too. Most of the conversations you have with characters lead to someone telling you to go use a gun somewhere. Yeah. Which is, no, that's that true. gun, it's, it's over. Right. I, my, one of my favorite moments in that game, I'm um, not going to spoil it uh, or I'm going to try not to so just uh, maybe skip this minute, is a conversation where we stole someone's stuff and the person we stole from was there. We made her tell us where the rest of her stuff was. And then I said, you're free to go. And the guy who was with me on that mission pulled out his shotgun and killed her. Right. And I was just there like looking at him like, I just told her she was free to go. And there is no mm. way for me to 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 like kind of beat that into his skull that I said it was going to be like this. And mm -hmm. maybe even resume that the way I would have handled that yeah. situation. Um, and I, I, I found that conclusion really funny, but I also just thought to myself, that's when it hit me. There, using a gun is really the majority of a way to solve a problem in this game. Wh which I, I, I kind of get annoyed by that. Which is not odd that. for that game world, though. It is. You know? it, it, it so, it's the post-apocalypse. Yeah. Of course you're going to pull out yeah. uh, the, the, the Glock 9 and handle it. But I'm yeah. just saying that I don't think that's the only way it should be. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of wish this game would have approached that on top of this base building stuff they're doing yeah. and all of this like customization and creation that they're letting you play around with. Well, there's no talking in Rise of the Tomb Raider when you meet your enemies, that's for sure, either. Not really. Yeah, not <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, don't, don't turn it around on me. Uh, here's one game I, I tried really hard to get and did not get in 2015. Like, and I tried for the life of me. I, threw, I dumped 25 hours in this game trying to understand why everyone loved it. The Witcher 3. Okay. I, I can tell you why I really like it. really hard me too. to love that game. Because for me, I was like, I, I don't want to say it's it's Zelda-esque. Of course it, it is. is. It is super zelda Of course it is. It is and it isn't. It's, it is, it's, it's Zelda big, Skyrim. Yeah, it's, it's medieval, you know, fantasy, yeah. uh, you know, although I've never been uh, enamored by any of the Witcher storyline, although I've right. heard the stories are, are pretty mature. I think the character is horribly generic. I think um, it's cool. By, uh, by, by genre standards. Um, but... So here's my thing. I love the world. I hate the combat. I think mechanically that game is right. a lot more deficient than people uh, mm-hmm. give it uh, uh, its 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 hard time for. I think especially on consoles. I think that mm. when you're playing it on, on a console and playing it on PS4, you are constantly reminded that this was designed for a mouse right. from the very get-go. Mm-hmm. Like the, it goes into – even when you're going into menus and you you go like tick, 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 tick over mm-hmm. to the right to get to the item slot where, you, where you, you're going to put it put, mm-hmm. put in the item. It's like everything is really cumbersome. And, I, and the controls are not smooth. Like the oh. consol- controls feel very wonky and floaty, like mm-hmm. making your horse go straight – um, you know, they have some. They they have hold the button, and your horse will will follow the road. But yeah. it's like it's it's harder than yeah. in games like it gets stuck on like, rocks, like Metal Gear, Shadow of the Colossus, yeah, or any of the horse, horse games. Like, hey, yeah, you suck. No, <laughs> it rides but by. but um, and then the com- I think the combat's all right. I think it gets better as you level up your character because you you get more fluid, you get more of a rhythm. Um, but everything has this lag into it. It's not like a yeah. Zelda game where it feels like an action See, and I, game. And I'm up for like it was explained to me that combat gets better, and yeah. I was like, okay. But here's my problem with that: I'm a Witcher, and in this world, I'm supposed to be like this this badass. Like that's yeah. what I'm supposed to be. And it just felt like a lot of the early fights, it felt like my beautiful two swords were the equivalent of taking out a pencil and like scratching an enemy with them because they either wouldn't go down or the way combat is set up, they want you to feel overwhelmed. It's not like Assassin's Creed where things mm-hmm. are like, I'm God, and one yeah. comes at you one at a time. They, they want you to feel the pressure of they can come at you at any time. Yep. And I mm-hmm. like that. But when I hit them back, I want them to go flying or at least I want to feel like I'm doing heavy damage but, to them, and I don't feel. But that. when you do magic, doesn't it feel like you do like a like a fire spell? Doesn't it feel like you're very powerful? Yes like you're setting no. like three wolves on fire at least. I know you don't knock them out immediately in the beginning. Again, but this this might just be a console port issue because I did play it on console, and I will admit this does look like a game that it is much better experience uh, on PC. It's 60 frames on PC. It's all of that amazing uh, technical gobbledygook that people love to tout as the best version. Um, and if that's the case, fine. Like, maybe that's the reason I don't like it. Uh, I will say my favorite side activity, side quest of this year came from The Witcher, though. What, a frying there's pan? A, no, there, there's a quest. There's a side quest. <laughs> I thought it would be a frying pan. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, there's a side quest where you are investigating a curse put on a little girl. Yeah. And you stumble into a village, find the corpse of a bride, find out that she was supposed to be married, that her body was thrown in a ditch, and you have to perform... Uh, some kind of a ritual to basically put this to bed and yep. basically put her soul to rest. And reading the lore, studying how to fight it, uh, putting together all the clues to what happened, that was some of the most fun I've had with a side quest in a video game like ever. I just thought it was super deep. It felt like it was part of a world and not just an activity that they wanted me to yeah. do. 
and I give them a lot of credit for that, but I did not want to suffer through the rest of the game right. for the moments like that. I just couldn't I couldn't deal with it. I can totally see it. It is very much an RPG with all the trappings of kind of classic RPG wonky controls. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget, right? Like Morrowind combat was a lot worse than Sky, uh, the Skyrim. Sky, Skyrim combat as well. And it's like, I feel like The Witcher is just going to get better and more yeah. more like intuitive. Oblivion, yeah. Over the years. And like, but what is there, man? That world and that freedom and like the deep systems, all the stuff you can do, and it's it's pretty staggering. And it is a game that, mm-hmm. like the original Legend of Zelda, lets you lets you go out there and get yourself in trouble. Mm-hmm. Like there are freaking like skull icons, like oh, yeah. the enemies marked with skulls. Like they're gonna kill you if they get yeah. to you. And like there's some scary stuff in that game. You know yeah. what doesn't have the skull icons, but is equally scary and amazing. Probably my favorite, one of my favorite games this year uh, that wasn't on a Nintendo system was Bloodborne. Yeah. And this, so this got you first before it got me. It got you around the time it came out. Yeah. Whereas I didn't really take this game seriously until. Uh, December mm-hmm. when I got back uh, from a vacation. Um, so what drew you in? Because you don't play from software games either. You're not a Dark Souls guy. No, You're not no, a no. Demon's Souls guy. Yeah, this is my first one of those. I think it was pretty much a hundred percent the art direction mm-hmm. was what grabbed me originally because I looked at some of the boss designs. I heard some of the music. I looked at the. I mean, it is. It's an amazing feeling to be constantly terrified of a game, but also be able to look around and say, this is really beautiful. (laughs) Like there's a moment where nothing's killing you where you see a sunset or a moon over a town and these gnarled branches everywhere. Like the first time you walk into that forest area in that game, gave me that, Forbidden Woods gave me that sort of Fendrana drafts, you know, whatever the drifts, whatever it's called, feeling from Metroid Prime drafts, that's about (laughs) farts. <laughs> Walking into that that area, that area for the first time and just being terrified and being like, I don't know what's going to try and kill me. I don't know what's going to leap out of the shadows here. It is an absolutely gorgeous, unforgiving game, but, and it's so so easy to get pushed off immediately. Look at someone like Dan Stapleton wrote a whole uh, op-ed, Furious, which I mean, I, I must wrote the same one after twenty five hours of Fallout when I yeah, rage quit that game. I remember game. I overheard you um, saying you felt like you were taking the wrong major. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was something around uh, about that. But Dan, who's our reviews editor, really didn't get into Bloodborne, and I know exactly why because it's it's it is set up to 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 kick your ass on the first day. It's prison rules, you know. <laughs> and if you can get past that, like there's something there that's that's worth fighting for, and I really really appreciated that. And I think the combat. Uh, it was way more hands-on and more action-friendly. There's there's a dodge button. You feel a, a lot more fluid. There's mm-hmm. the weapon customization feels more in tune to someone who's played action games for a long time. Whereas like the Dark Souls, Demon Souls stuff, um, felt a little more. Not I would I don't want to say turn-based RPG, but there oh. is a little more meticulous, a little more it's, planning. It's way more overwhelming. So I've tried to get into Dark Souls twice. Yeah, uh, I got Same into here. the original game. I got up to Blight Town and I stopped caring. Um, and then I tried to play part two and then just felt overwhelmed once again by uh, the choices and not knowing where to really put my my uh, my, my sorry my points when right. I, whenever I would level at a bonfire. Um, but I think the thing that helps Bloodborne a lot, number one, is less, less stack categories to worry about. Uh, number two, not having to worry about like leveling up defensive armor and only using upgrade materials for 
uh, weapons. And on top of that, the fact that the combat is much better than Demon Souls because they have weapon transformation. So these guys are hunters. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, you are basically participating in the night of what they call the hunt. And there are all these creatures running loose. And so when you fight things, you have a standard swing. And if you hit the transformation button during a combination, your character will swing the weapon and it'll turn into something else that you can then keep swinging with if you have the stamina to yep. do it. Um, and what I admire about Bloodborne a lot, so its art direction is fantastic. Yeah. I think it is FromSoft's best job in art direction in general. I've never liked how... Demon Souls looked, or Dark Souls looked, or Dark Souls 2 looked. I, mm -hmm. I thought Dark Souls 2 was going to be the one. And so far, from all the footage I've seen, Dark Souls 3 is going to be the one that lives up to the promise of <laughs> what I think those guys can do artistically. But I think their prior work, uh, it just felt like really bad dark fantasy and not in a I way see that, that I could appreciate it. Whereas you had this big Victorian setting, you had all this fog and, and this atmosphere with, with these giant bell chimes like happening oh, yeah. where you, and you just be the like, man, I just killed like how many things to get here. Um, it, it feels really good. And they just dangle all these plot threads around you, but you have to do the reading and then you have to put together the associations yourself. There's no hand holding. And this world will not hold your hand and this world will not put up with you expecting it to be an easy time. Yeah. Which, like, which you have to bring skill to the game. Even then... To the uh, table or they just leave you. I mean, I was there actually... It was my game. <laughs> it, was, it was weird because we were we were having the big game of the year debates and fi finding out what would be nominated a few, year, a few weeks back here at IGN. And uh, people nominated Bloodborne for Best Story. And I was like, hey, I love this game from top to bottom, but I don't really see... Oh man, that being a thing, but it's it's. I think because it doesn't have the it doesn't exactly have the most definitive story. It's so up to no, interpretation. No, it to interpretation. No, and I, I admire mm. that that approach. I think that in this day and age, we are very used to a cutscene telling us everything we know to, about a world, everything like. I like in Fallout that reading a terminal, I learn a lot about something that mm -hmm, happened right. at this place or in this area. And I feel like Bloodborne expects that of you from the regular items that you pick up. Mm -hmm. And it's leaving behind very, very cryptic clues. And I still don't 100% have a beat on what the story is. Yeah. But it's a story I think about all the time. I constantly want to watch videos or read like, like um, guidebooks about just because I want to try and piece it together myself. And I'm very late in the game. I'm level 98. I must have sank like 100 hours over the break Jesus. into this thing. Like I really, really, really came to love it. Um, and there is something to be said about the feeling of achievement in that game. Because when, when you beat some bosses in this game, like your hands are shaking. Oh, it is. Because you are just like, I cannot believe I beat them. Like, it it's is. a lot of being very careful, being very defensive, using uh, like these invincibility frames when you dodge. Like there are very few feelings like well, that. Well, so no, a very there, long time. There is, there is. But there's also, and what I really love about Bloodborne mm. is that it, it, it gives you that extra little, so there's this sort of like, like gambler's luck that happens with it, where you go, all right, I know if I back up right now, I can take a breath, I can catch my stamina, and I can go back and, and get the last few hits on this boss. But what if I just swung my axe right now and <laughs> killed him immediately? And you know you've well, got one hit left, the, yeah, and he's got one hit left, like and it's here? just like, yeah. you're like, I'm going to risk it. And you pull that off, you throw that controller down, covered in sweat, and you scream. There's That feeling is unparalleled. It's <laughs> yeah. unmatched. It is one of the best senses of accomplishment I've ever had playing, right. a, playing a video game. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's like growing up playing Zelda bosses and beating them for the first time. Yep. It's Shadow of the Colossus. It's that sort of like, I can kill this thing somehow. Yeah. There, there was this one That's boss. Cool. Uh, it's, it's 
it's this giant like spider and it looks like a larva almost you know what i'm talking about they uh, called the rom? vacuum spider rom the i hate spider. i almost cur- i almost i used every curse <laughs> there is i hate that spider i hate that spider with everything i have so the way this fight unfolds is <laughs> why didn't it, you it, talk it, to it appears, it it appears we can settle this yeah we, we did I can you and your a, 90 babies with, not kill me yeah with a mace and electricity um anyway <laughs> i he doesn't get it because um but so it's the spider that appears. It summons all of these baby spiders around. I want to yep. say it's anywhere between 10 to 12. Uh, maybe. I don't think it's 20, but it could be. And basically, like you 100. have to run around and get an opening to run up to its side and hit it. Because if you go to its front, uh, it might thrash around and hit you with its face. Ew. Uh, and then when it loses 50, any boss in that game, when it loses a certain amount of health, uh, the fight changes. The boss has new mechanics or new attacks that it'll do out of desperation because it's losing. It's very much like Monster Hunter boss fights to an extent. Like uh, uh, a boss fight in Bloodborne and in Monster Hunter is sort of like a a fight where you have to know what tells you're up against and be very careful because you can lose the minute you misread what he's doing. And so towards the end of that fight, there are all these spiders and you're trying to basically zigzag back and forth run up to this thing's side and whack it with, with a, I think it's called a tantrius. I don't yeah. know what it is. It looks like a, it's basically this, this bludgeon, uh, like it has electricity. It's amazing. And uh, it was crazy. Like I, I finished that boss fight and these hands were shaking. Like I could not believe how hard it was, but also that I did it. These big, strong hands. <laughs> <laughs> that right. sounds awesome. I might yeah. have to check it out, but yeah. it's, I, I have to be honest. It's not for everyone. I, no, it it's was not. daunting to me to hear everybody say, oh, Oh, this is so great and really difficult. And like that just gave me instant vibes of Dark Souls. And mm-hmm. like that's a, a game I did not enjoy. Like mm. I tried, I love the look and the world and everything. I just couldn't get into it. Yeah. And that's a, I mean, that's the difference here, right? Like each person will have these these genres uh, yeah. that they right. gravitate towards. And it expects more work from you, but I would say that it is less daunting than Dark Souls. It makes me want to play Dark Souls. Okay. I feel like it is the From Software 101 game I needed because yep. they cut back a little in ways that didn't sacrifice the core identity of, I think, the action RPG they make. Sure. So, so I'm, that- I'm there. So I, I had a I had a guilty pleasure game over the break that I didn't think game? I was gonna like as much as Mad Max. Oh really? Ooh, so you yeah. get into that? Talk about it. Yeah. Did you play it? No, I I, I did a couple let's plays at work. but yeah. I, I it was one of those like you can't appreciate a game when you do that. Yeah. Like, you really want to sit down and be like, this yeah. is the lay of the land here. And what I liked about it, just you know, briefly, was that they they give you a really great core reason and goal to aim for. Like a lot of these games, like take Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption, right? You have like you've been wronged, you're getting the revenge, you're getting your revenge and stuff. And like the story goes into all these different directions. In Mad Max is like, you want to get your car back. Yeah. Like that's what it's all about. <laughs> it's like it's but it's like the thing that fits the Mad Max universe so well, right? Yeah. Like Road Warriors all about like it's all about for the love of this vehicle and that's how the game that's how that game works and so you you have this real sense of building a character but the character is the car. So I really like that. I thought like the driving everything is really good. The on-foot mechanics are awful. Yeah. I mean they're really bad. The moment you go into an enemy stronghold like Max can see things but he can't climb them and it's like he can he can jump just a little bit like if that world was married with the controls of a Tomb Raider or Legend or of Zelda or mm-hmm. Batman which you know I really liked Arkham Knight I know yeah. some people feel differently about the car mm-hmm. um, I'm a car guy like Forza I, I like too but it's like Batman. Mad Max I really love the world and I love that you have a guy riding with you that whenever you stop the car he starts fixing it 
And he like gets all busy, climbs right. up on the That's hood, really cool. and like it just yeah. has a lot of no. clever ideas that people didn't give Avalanche enough credit for. To I me, know. Batman's car stuff only fell slightly apart because of repetition. How the repetition, yeah. but also that the Riddler should not be making racetracks underneath Gotham City. That uh, nah, video game some really really stupid like physics like control to to get around. Like I. I I, but what broke me in See, on, I'm not, wasn't I'm really good at it. So it was the <laughs> fact that when when uh, when I looked at my progress as a whole, yeah. I felt like it was the most copy co- copy paste approach to side quests I had ever seen. Yes, like right. If it's a if it was a if it was a fire department one where you had to chase Firefly, it's the same chase four times. Yeah. If it's I have to deactivate certain security checkpoints, it's the same checkpoints but with stronger enemies or different enemies at each one. And they weren't and spaced out. Like, if you play it, you could play the game where you do, like, Firefly back-to-back. Like yeah. It, yeah. And it felt like it's the same thing. And I'm like, I'm just, I know I'm going to get him. Yeah. I'm just going through the motions. And there's no, nothing new to it. I agree with you. The I think first, that's a problem. The, the yeah, last games, and especially the first one, didn't have that problem where the action was punctuated with these beautiful boss fights, right? Think, Which this game didn't have. Yeah, but I think even it Zelda. It had car fights instead. Yeah, car fights. Yeah, but yeah. I think even Zelda suffers from repetition from times. Sometimes, like, we're going to talk about this in 2016, but um, something like filling the light vessel wore out its welcome because right. it is very samey. Yep. The same thing in uh, Skyward Sword with the Phantom Trials where it's the same trial just a different town. Yep. Right. Like, hey, this is the quest line of the yep. goddess. Like, you're supposed to be giving me, like, I'm supposed to be proving my worth as a hero, not stealthily I, going through this like a, a different map but with the same enemy it's or like, dowsing yeah, but, but, don't even but I, I mean Arkham Arkham Trite though they're like if you take over one of the roadblocks right what are they called sure. the little stronghold like thingies like you you might walk into one that has a fence around it so you can't get your car in and then there are two turrets and then you're like if I jump down there I get killed and like you try to beat it all in any which way you can and then you're like ah screw it I'm gonna come back later and later on you have an ability yeah, that strong. lets you then hack something yeah, and like yeah. right. I really like that way where like that certain yeah. things that seemed impossible to do then become easy in the no, end I, I, I thought it com- was it was completely unacceptable that the the true ending was paywalled behind a hundred percent save file that is total Pay- b- what do you mean paywall well, it's not paywall well, yeah. you know what but I mean uh, I'm you, paying with my time you meant in order to fight the Riddler you had to do in order to do get everything. the ending yeah. to that game yeah, yeah, yeah. you okay. have to 100% it which right, right. is ridiculous and preposterous yeah, I did that especially you did uh, what yeah. I, you did <laughs> yeah you did all 100 yeah I did all, the, all of those that that I, I gotta say it, it did turn into a chore it turned yeah. into a chore chasing down all the little Riddler challenges because some of them like oh I know what to do it wasn't it was more of like you just had to do it See, um, here, here's the weird thing, though. Like, I finished Batman. I got the shorter ending because I didn't want to do the 100%. Yeah. And I was done with that game. I wanted nothing to Me do with too. it. Me too. Really? I, I never wanted I'm to touch it again. I'm almost done with Bloodborne, and I'm thinking about rolling a new character in Bloodborne, yeah. which to me is preposterous because I don't like replaying games like that. It's very rarely that I finish a game and say, you know what? I want to do all that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just doesn't happen. No, like, I don't have the kind of time, and I Same rarely here. have that kind of interest. I usually like a game, I like its lore, I do a little reading or thinking about it afterwards, and I move on to something else. Mm-hmm. But I will say, with Bloodborne, it's the first time in a long time that I'm about to finish a game, and I want to do it again. I want to see where I, well. some of these side quests work out, and I feel like with Batman, putting that behind all that work does seem a bit much. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was it interesting a bit, that a bit pe- too much. people's biggest complaint about Batman was the tank. Which I love. Which, I mean, I didn't love, but when I write my list of complaints, it's 10th. 
yeah. for that game. Like there yeah. are so many bigger problems. That I, I didn't see. I didn't have a problem with the tank either. And like for people who haven't played it, like you, you have the Batmobile in the in the game, and it's it's amazingly executed. How you seamlessly jump in and out of the car. Yeah, that stuff's great. Like they did such a great yeah. job, and it feels and looks good. Well, it feels you powerful. Take out a piece of someone's building and, while you're driving you, by. If you're driving recklessly, yeah, yeah and like, you get Sorry. this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get this upgrade where then you can basically strafe with it. Yeah. You can drive sideways, and you have this tank. And they actually have some clever game mechanics where you have to like flank your enemies and get around them and not mm. be detected and stuff. So they did some cool stuff with that. The unfortunate thing is like they just happen so often and yeah. always Sometimes when you don't, back to back, yeah, back again. to back. Well, it's, it's also because all the interesting boss fights in the in the previous they, installments are replaced by something that centers around the tank a car. Yeah, yeah. You rarely get out and punch somebody, which is like that's what Batman does. You know, like. Yeah. Batman's thing is that he fights people sometimes. He's got to hold a guy off the edge of a roof and be like, swear to me, or whatever he does. Yeah, like so the Mr. Were, yeah. Remember the Mr. Freeze uh, um, boss fight? Like, yeah. that was... You that didn't back, like it? No, that backfired on me, but I'll tell you why after you tell your story. I, I love that. It felt right. like a Metroid Prime boss yeah. battle. So everyone told me that. And yeah. I had nothing but high expectations for that fight. Yeah. And I think this was the token example of when people get you excited for something and then you play it, um, sometimes it doesn't quite live up to the expectation. Mm-hmm. So what did it? Well, did you know the trick? When, yeah, well, here's you, the thing. You knew the already started, what to expect or no? The, I didn't know what to expect. Oh, I the see. fight started, and I was given a message saying, here's how to fight him, and a list of things to do that I can try against him. I was furious because they basically spelled out how to fight him. Yeah. And I didn't learn that okay. for myself. Yeah. Um, and someone told me, well, that was optional. I was like, well, if I get a transmission from someone or wh- however it was presented, and I don't quite remember the exact, like, uh, you comedy got the of errors that left to this. You turned on Navi. Whatever. Hey. I, I don't know what I <laughs> pressed. Listen, listen look. Is, yeah. Navi came out and told me every weak point I'm poor Mr. Freeze. Uh, and I was just there like, great. Well, yeah. I'm going to beat this mission, and then I'm going to, I guess, make a sandwich. We- Regardless, think of the scarecrow stuff. Like there were so many good kind of boss moments yeah. in the mm-hmm. old game, Absolutely. and the new one didn't have that. But I, I thought mechanically it was really good. Story wise, man, you've got you've got the Joker sitting around. You got yeah. Man Bat popping up in your face when you're not expecting it. That was yeah. scary. That was really interesting. That was so I, scary. I like that stuff. Yeah, I hope more developers do put more uh, effort into that. Uh, I think in Dead Space was the first time I had noticed in a game where you open like hundreds of like these little um, containers. And there's one time you open a container and nothing's in it. Yeah. And it just strikes you as really weird. But I like this idea that you constantly do this repetitive action that is just something as easy yep. as opening a chest. Yep. And then one day something pops out you did not expect. Like RE4 with the safe for how, a room that was not a safe room, right? Like <laughs> oh, remember right. that stuff. Oh, yeah. Like you're whenever you hear that music, you're like, ah, safe. And in that game, you weren't. <laughs> yep. That was so yep. brilliant. That is really and like smart. I want that to happen in more games. I want in a Legend of Zelda game, I want to have to collect the three sparkly gems and then just when I'm about to take that gem like it's not a freaking gem Side note, it's I would, a dragon and you have to talk to it Jose I would no kill, but like I would, something different I would kill for Resident Evil 4 on the new 3DS oh man I would to- I, if on the 3DS really yeah. I, would, I would kill for that I mean it's totally feasible it's totally something that, that technically works because the new 3DS is, is capable of handling Wii games to a certain extent right I think it could handle a GameCube sure. game did by the way, we haven't we haven't talked about Forza because I know you guys are dying to talk about Forza. Actually, I, I wanted to buy just, Forza. I didn't do it, uh, but I was I was close. Um, it was it was honestly. I think there were so many racers, and even the bad ones last year were Drive competent Club. racers. Mm-hmm. Like Drive Club wasn't bad, you know. Like they they were all competent racers with beautiful graphics. Okay. 
there was just not a lot to get excited about. When when there's so many options and I've played so many, I've driven the same Ferrari in so many games, I was like, yeah, Forza is really good and fun, but it doesn't have that level of excitement that you would have gotten if if there hadn't been a game like that for many years. Remember, we had Horizon 2 recently too, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's just so many. So well, I like I that game, but... what you're but saying is the bigger point being that the racing genre is alive and healthy, but yeah. there's, no, there's not a ton of new ideas there's, being covered these days. There are no peaks anymore because the valleys are gone. Like, it used to be like... Gran Turismo was the only game of its type. Yep. And like when a new one came out, I was, I locked myself in a room yeah, and same. like I'm fine with driving the freaking Aztec and Prius until I work my way up but it, because that was the only racing experience. Games don't even do that anymore now. They give you the fast cars right from the beginning yeah. because, you know, it's, it's just like you've, you've done that so many times and there's so many options to it. So Forza was really good, but it w- I didn't get as excited thought Rocket League was really good. Did you guys I play that? I couldn't do it. No? Yeah, I just, no interest. Like, you I, don't I like see soccer, what, huh? I do like soccer, actually. I put a ton of time into FIFA two and three years ago, but... Ro- Rocket mm. League brings back, like, childhood memories of playing Ball Blazer on, mm-hmm. like, the, you know, the Atari computers yeah, against my friends. And, like, yeah. it's... It's really good. Yeah, it's it's it felt like a like an N sixty four multiplayer game. Yeah, I would have played with. It's a bunch like of battle friends. tanks or yeah. something where you weren't expecting it to be that good, and it was that good. Cool. Yeah, um, Halo Five, eh, it's fine. I, I enjoyed it. Campaign. I didn't play Black Ops. I didn't Ooh. play Black Ops Three. This no, is the first Halo Five campaign total. Oh, I didn't total. Play first Call of Duty game I Me skipped. Me too. I, I'll play skip. it later. Don't what Halo Five campaign was bad. Like multiplayer, that game delivered. I think and everything it needed to. I cannot bad, believe bad because the bait and switch or bad because bad because the bait and switch bad because a lot of although you can see the money like all on the on the walls in that game yeah. it, it didn't feel like it was trying anything risky or different outside of I agree. like shoot these air, sh- clear this area full of people you have four Spartans where did they come from no backstory go read the comic books go read the books whatever it is <laughs> like I feel like there is something to be said about a universe that gets as big as Halo has gotten and. Unfortunately, just ignoring you know Joe Joe Halo Joe Joe Sixpack who doesn't want to read your your expanded universe yeah. like he just wants to play a Halo game. Are you Joe you know Sixpack? What? Old Halo games just delivered really strong campaigns with characters that got explained through each one. Right. Very rarely were you looking at someone on screen where you didn't really know who they were or that they didn't give you some glimpse of what they did. Yeah. You have an entire squad of people that you have never heard of in that game and you have no way to connect to them because. Never, you've never heard of them. You don't know them. Well, the have you checked out the expanded universe content available never. exclusively on Kindle and the, the Halo Net Battle Store? I'm not it's, interested. I, no, I, so I'm reading the, biography. But the original oh, Halo, yeah. no, I know. <laughs> the original Halo games were very simple. You have a badass dude in a in a Metroid outfit. You know, I like think this one wants to go a little bigger, but I don't think. But it, it has, has too many too many characters. Well, it has characters that they don't really fulfill in terms of trying to flesh out anything outside of like very tropey personalities. Yeah, like, I just I, I well, it's, see in, that. it's interesting too hearing you talk. about about Bloodborne and obviously you love you love Metroid Prime and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Like the games where there's a story it it's looks there. like Metroid Prime, that's yeah. for sure. Like, yeah, <laughs> totally. It does. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I wonder why. But uh that you can dig deeper within the game and find lore. Same with Fallout you were talking about too. I think that's a really cool thing. Like some people are are not, they don't like that. They just want cutscenes and they want things read to them and stuff like that. But I, I like finding a manual or a pamphlet or a, a, a little computer station and reading a whole bunch of backstory. Yeah, what I don't like is when you take that backstory and it's not even in the game, it's it's available in a book or yeah. it's available on a TV show. or I think to me, um, and this could be completely wrong, so I don't know if I'm phrasing this right, but to me it felt like every character in, in uh, 
the squad in the both squads, either Lock Squad or Master Chief Squad. They wanted them to be like cool, like Boba Fett's, right? Where like uh-huh. you're interested, you're hyped just because of what he, how he looks and yeah. that he's been in a scene, but and that you're willing to invest all that time in finding out what he is. And I just didn't like in that game. It did not at all work on me. I didn't yeah. care. I didn't. Um, I'm, I'm actually and reading. I also felt you, there's a repetitive boss fight. You fight like four times, and there's more of them. Like later in the game, sorry, slight spoiler. Yeah. Awful boss fight. Like after playing Destiny and the raid, and then playing what Halo Five calls a boss fight. I'm right. sorry. Like I just couldn't do it. Like I I can't finish that game. I'm on the last mission, and I'm like, nope, cannot. Maybe be we should play. Co-op. I'm I'm reading some of we the did, uh, and we had a good time. Sorry, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm reading some of like these sort of like supplemental stuff uh, and content and comics and books that are around Force Awakens and Star Wars right I'm now. I'm glad you brought this up. Which is kind of like, they'll take a... Oh, that thing. You'll see a character that's like in the corner of one scene and they're like, here's his short story. Kind of like what they used to do with Dale, Tales from Jabba's Palace, uh, Tales of the Bounty Hunters and stuff like that. Mm. All of those things were... <laughs> Tales of Jabba's Palace. <laughs> do you know about that? It's <laughs> No. Oh, it's all, no, it's all nonsense now or legends oh, as they sh- call them. <laughs> but it, it was basically being like there's a weird character... <laughs> That guy. It's like there's a weird character in the corner, and they they're like, "Here's his story." You know that fat guy that cries in the basement of the Rancor Keeper, like Fifth Fortuna, or Fifth Fortuna. Like, yeah. here's how they came to be. What's but the I've fat never guy's name. What is his Malachili. name? Malakili. But I've never watched. <laughs> gonna say Boson. No, the thing is, Malachili. like, I don't. The Star Wars movies do a good job of when you're watching them, you're not like. I don't know who that is, and it's ruining the thing for me. Yep. But I feel like video games are, or poorly written video games, get into that territory where you have to read the supplemental content yep. to really understand what's going on. I think that's whereas, what fell into. Yeah, and yeah. whereas I feel like Star Wars, for the most part, like if they if they put out a book, like my, my parents saw Force Awakens the other night, my mom called me up, <clears> and she was like, who made the robot ball? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, who built him? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, well, they... 3PO got built by Anakin. I bet she knew that. Right. Well, she didn't yeah. know that because she didn't see those. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, but th- that was like you didn't I, – I didn't. I never needed to know the story of how 3PO was built, right? Mm-hmm. And she yeah. maybe for some reason thinks she needs to know the story of wh- wh- where BBA came from. But I watched Force, uh, Force Awakens without even thinking – where did he come from? I don't need to see his factory. Right, or yeah, that. yeah. Cause, uh, but if they make that short story, I'll read it because it's kind of cool, uh-huh. but it's it's not going to really add or take away from the film that I'm watching right. in the moment. should have told her Spiro made uh, <laughs> Spiro. I, she's, she actually said it was really funny. She was like, you know, if they make one of those for kids, I bet everyone will buy one. I'm like, like Mom, that, they did, and yours. your son bought one. <laughs> that happened. I have one, too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so you like that movie, Brian? Oh, yeah, yeah I loved it. We should talk about that movie. Yeah. Uh, I feel like um, it, it's only the biggest thing that has happened. I saw yeah, it opening night, time. first showing. Me, too. Okay. Yeah, I dragged the whole family along. It was packed. You know, I was there early, but still it was super packed. A good crowd. Um, Yeah, no, it was good. I saw it up in in San Rafael, which is, of course, right next to Skywalker Ranch. So I was at the source. So there were people pointing uh, out their their own names in the credits and stuff. It it, it was cool. Um, No, it was really really fun. I was, as I was watching it, I I got the sense that, man, these these characters are so likable. Like yeah. from the moment you see Finn yeah. and this this setup with the stormtrooper, uh, and, the, and then you see Ray, and you're like these characters, they f- they feel like much more rooted in this this world than the kind of sterile 
characters and relationships oh, from the prequels. Yeah. And like, yeah, and like you know, you I mean I've talked about the prequels before and like I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I still watch them and I find good in them. They're still good in them. Yeah. Um I did I did that recently too but, actually. But just it's, to see like hey I, what's here? I already you know? watched them and they're so they're so hokey in parts because the relationships don't work and even good actors are good actors fail at making you care. Yeah. You know? Well, Always good on actors the move. can't save a weird script. And and what this well, movie good did, actors can they, they also I mean if you look at one of the most iconic lines from yeah. Star Wars ever was I love you I know yeah. and that line was improv right. by uh, Carrie Fisher and uh, what's that Harrison guy's Ford. name Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford. Yeah. big name actor I'm he's, kidding. he's really going places yeah. um, get off my plane you can't Im- you can't improv <laughs> with a green screen yeah you know yeah, and and so, but I was I instantly loved the characters, and even like the junkyard dealer, and like yeah. all these characters were so fun and cool, and you know, and like even uh, even the bad guy just kind of like being almost like a petulant teenager destroying yeah. control panels. I'm like, yes, finally, so you can see the anger in a character other than just someone looking down. I angrily, don't like sad. Right? Like, well, yeah. yeah, well, and the prequels made the mistake of always having like, uh, for example, episode one had the coolest looking villain you had ever seen yeah. in a Star Wars oh, yeah. world. And they killed him in the first movie. Yeah. And the overarching villain of all three movies was Darth Sidious, who wasn't really a fun villain yeah. to follow. Like, I'm sorry, yes, it's 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 a nice wink to the audience when everyone there knows that's the Emperor. Oh my yeah. god, he's up to no good. But he doesn't really sell that in his performance, and he doesn't really do anything that dastardly, at yeah. least until the third film. He's also in the worst lightsaber fight in that movie. Like, Where he that just slowly scene, stabs? Yeah, him, him and poor ah. Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, yeah. so uh, bad. I just that watched that the other day. That was one of the worst like, scenes I had ever which, seen. Which is he's weird just because... laying on the floor, and he's like, help me. Yeah. But to me, the tragedy of the prequels, uh, and, and I've been thinking about this a lot, because I saw an interview George did with Charlie Rose uh, around yeah. Christmas, yeah. Yeah. where he said some things. Oh, yeah. I mean, he said some 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 harsh things uh, but he talked about how like watching Force Awakens co- sort of continue without him is kind of like watching a, a breakup and for him it, it's very personal because you know that's 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 a lot of time he's invested and he went and he sold it and, uh, well but, somebody somebody and, else is playing with his toys the, the you tragedy know? Of, yeah well whatever the tragedy of this the prequels though is that here you had this filmmaker who changed the way movies were made and then how many years after he decides to pick up the director's chair and produce and make these movies and it always felt every time I watched featurettes, making of, interviews, whatever, no one was there to pull him back to earth and tell him some of this stuff is either not a great story or it was sad to me that Star Wars turned into the token, the poster child for CG cannot save your film. You need a yeah. rooted story yeah. for your film to be good. And you, in his comments in the in the Charlie Rose interview, you, you get a sense that he has very strong convictions. And so, I, you know, it's probably pretty tough for somebody to say in that company that bears this man's name, dude, that story part doesn't work or that sucks. Or, you know, when James Earl Jones just read that no line, it's not going to work, yeah. right? Like, yeah. they, they and James Earl Jones is another great actor, right? Yeah. Like, there are all these things that just didn't come together right. But, you know, like, to George, I mean, to George's point, like, he, he was envisioning the story to go in a different direction. And when I was watching Force Awakens, the one thing that, I quickly became aware of was that I was watching A New Hope again, right? Like yeah, it is structurally beat-wise, it's like a remake of A New Hope. It it plays with that, right? No spoilers here. I'm, I'm not going to go into details, but it, it plays with that. Oh, we're going to do this again, right? Like they even acknowledge it. And f- to me, it was super fun and I had no problem with that. But to somebody like George Lucas probably who – 
you know, to his credit, had some clever things in the prequels. Like yeah. the whole fact of the that the clone army and the freaking TIE fighters are the good guy ships in the beginning. I mean, you yeah. saw the Jedi yeah. Starfighters well, well, yeah. yeah. are like TIE fighters. And like that flip clones, was cool. Uh, the, the, the mystery of where those clones came from is a really cool mystery that never gets answered. Well, yeah. Right. Never. Like you're yeah. there like, who the heck is Master Cypher Diaz? What is yeah. all this stuff? Yeah. Why did this happen? But I guess let, let's swing this around to Force Awakens, right? Because I guess you can't talk about Star Wars without talking about prequels. Um, I, I thought like you that it was beat for beat a, a, a really strong film a little too close to A New Hope though I yep. mean oh, to the point where it became a joke right like oh it, there's always a way to destroy a big weapon yeah um, and uh, to me I was just like man I uh, that bugged me but there were also great scenes like when you know they're, they're running for their lives the ship got blown up in front of them in the, uh, on uh, Jakku and he, she says uh, garbage will do and you see that garbage will do is only yeah, yeah. yeah that is such a great reveal that whole chase was fantastic well yeah I mean, um, the, the beat for beat thing's a little, it's a little on the nose, but in the same way, I mean, if you think about it, and I, I, I can be as reductive as possible, uh, The Force Awakens is about an orphan teenager that lives on a sand planet that meets a old crazy person, and they get into a ship, and they go into space, and they blow up a ball. <laughs> <laughs> that is a new hope. I mean, we yeah. should yeah. just spoil it. Yeah. I mean, let, let's go spoilers from this point on if you're listening, because we don't have a lot of time left, and I feel like we should at least, like, enough people have seen this movie. It's yeah. made enough money. Yeah. Um, I couldn't help but feel slightly empty by the New Hope stuff. I kind of, I'm, I'm very excited that Star Wars has a new face, a young set of faces that, to me, there's nothing but excitement for me as to, okay, what's Kylo Ren's next step? Yeah. What is Luke Skywalker going to say to this person? Right. Uh, to to Ray when they meet at the end of the film, you're just there like, oh my god, like what? Because everyone's jumping the conclusion: are they related or are they not related? Mm-hmm. And Luke seems so uncharacteristic, uh, in, at least in the way the movie starts, where he's gone into exile. That you kind of wonder: did something else happen? Right. Like was was you know I, sort of having your your school taken away from you the only thing that drove you over? Or did some, or did you also do something else? And I think that's a big question with this movie. Like I was almost you know with the showdown with Kylo Ren, I was almost hoping that he'd say, you know what, yeah, I was wrong, and like and become one of the good guys or something mm-hmm. like that. I was. I I was hoping for something that was a reversal of kind of like the beat that had set up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to be fair, they'd already done that with a stormtrooper who defects right yeah. in the beginning. And there's obviously some some cool backstory stuff there. Um, there's plenty of mystery left, I think. Yeah. I don't I mean, even oh no, go I, I, I don't want it to be like a sixth sense kind of ending either where like something gets flipped completely around no, either. I agree, like I, I don't I don't want like I mean, a trick. I was on the edge of my seat when uh when Han faces Kylo Ren and he says yeah. Ben. Yeah. Everyone in the theater, it was dead silent. Yeah. Everyone knew whose name that was. And yeah. they were like, Oh yeah. they called him Ben Solo. Um yeah. there was there was all of that. Um and I really liked Ray, and I love the fact that she, she and a lot of the characters in this movie, um, to them, Star Wars, the, the the movies we grew up watching, were a legend. And like they don't, they to them they're borderline not real. And, and boy, so, did they sell it! You know, like yeah. just the planet with the crashed spaceships and just sitting next to the foot of an at at, like yeah. that was so cool. Yeah, that was, yeah. I mean, that was J.J. Abrams being like, "Here's the original trilogy. It's in <laughs> it's in pieces." Yeah. Let's move on. Here's yeah. the new thing. Yeah. Um, if you think about it, like one of the most iconic scenes in all of Star Wars was Luke facing his father and his father turning against Palpatine mm-hmm. and his father revealing his helmet to show that he's a human being under all that. Yeah. And one person saw that happen, and it's Luke. 
Yeah. And we're assuming he got back on his ship and he went back to the Endor party with all the weird bears. And he was like, hey, guys, I got to tell you this story. Darth Vader, worst guy in the galaxy, horrible, like, Hitler dude that blows up planet. Not that bad. Had a cool redemption at the end. And people are like, yeah, sure. All right, Luke. Well, he was burning the body at the end, right? Yeah. Like, he yeah, took yeah. the body. And so I, I always – Which I would have loved to see that I, scene, by the way, when he, like, just dragged that's, his, That was a big dude, man. Yeah, that's yeah, a big guy. That was yeah. a big dude. He's uh, mostly um, robot. <laughs> but, but I like that the Legends thing <laughs> sets heavy. up. Like, a, like some people uh, – I, I was – reading a lot of feedback on the film right after I saw it because I couldn't help but think about the movie and uh, people were like oh man that scene where Ray puts together she could do the mind trick total nonsense like that's that's no way and I'm just like well I kind of like that to her again this is a legend she heard and she's just like F it I'm gonna try this yeah and, and we don't know it. her background. We don't know where she was before exactly. she was on that planet, yeah, right? You don't. Exactly. Like she may have been trained when she was a little kid. I think that's or, the case. Um, yeah. A lot. A lot of people. A lot of people wanted to see her struggle, which I don't buy because a lot of people give. I won't say again. I won't say free pass. A lot of people are a little more lenient on major protagonists being completely overpowered in other films, and they never go. Wait a minute. We didn't really see your struggle. Yeah. yeah, like I, I don't. We never really saw Luke Skywalker struggle. Luke Skywalker like, learned about the Force, and within ten minutes, he was hitting a target with blind accuracy, literally with a helmet on. Well, and and taking on an army of space Nazis with yeah. blasters who are soldiers who have been trained to kill, yeah. and they yeah. keep on missing. Right, yeah. like th- those are the things we kind of like we 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 kind of smile at now that the stormtroopers always miss, but that didn't really bother us that much. No, the, it it would have been nice to acknowledge how outclassed they were by Kylo Ren and obviously Kylo Ren is well, not really Finn. well trained he either Finn. right like Finn had no but, chance but they needed this guy needed I, I felt like even as an untry, uh, untrained Sith or whatever he is right like he needed to be a little bit more intimidating and a force of nature but maybe the next movie is going to explain that a little bit more and show why I actually I love you know, I love the fact that he wasn't overpowered I love the fact that he was as jittery as his lightsaber was he was struggling and yeah depressed and confused and torn he's, i mean he's, he's a poser got, he's trying to be darth like he can't, I'll, yeah i'll put it this way like if your dad was a deadbeat drug smuggler that wasn't really around and your mom watched her entire planet blow up and then they got divorced <laughs> that's like that's the recipe for a messed up kind of weird emotional high schooler Without the force being part of it, yeah, but yeah. It, it seems like, uh, and I don't mean to correct you, but it does seem like the the divorce happens because of because he split and possibly, he, yeah, he turned, yeah like it, it feels like because of we'll what see, happened yeah. with him, Han left. Han, that was his way of coping. Yeah, I didn't really pick that up. I I, I, I could totally see that. I think yeah, it could go either yeah. way. So yeah. I thought he left because he's a he's a deadbeat, and that's what he does. No, so, no, I wasn't sure. I, I recently yeah. rewatched the Matrix, the original Matrix, and I felt like that movie did an amazing job at showing somebody who's super powerful and can do all these things, but showing him fail too. Oh, yeah, you know, like yeah, Neo yeah. can't make the first jump across the building, right. but yeah. when he's facing off with the agents and he does the whole like, you move like they do thing, he gets hit in the arm, Yeah, right? Like yeah. there are all these little signs that the agents can kick his ass still, but you see him learn and get better and better yeah. until the end. Obviously that game has a different arc, right? Like where yeah. he learns and he kicks ass by the end of the movie. And that's where the movie ends. There are no parts two and three. 
three. Right. I don't know if you knew this. No, no, not at Matrix, all. Matrix, amazing standalone movie. <laughs> There's a cool car chase on YouTube you can watch. There is. <laughs> I, that's about I, it. They should have turned that car that's scene it. into a movie. I know they didn't. Oh, though, sadly. No, but like, no, but, 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 but here, but here's this thing uh, that that I, I mean, maybe we're ju- we're jumping around, and maybe we're not, and maybe it's relevant, or maybe it's not. But I do like that this movie had some general, some genuine mystery left. Oh yeah. yeah. I feel like All the prequel's lots. biggest problem was that it was out to explain everything mm-hmm. to you. Well, where does the Force come from? Where did Anakin come from? Where did C-3PO come from? Who is the super shiny stormtrooper who was in it for five minutes right. and we thought she was going to kick ass, yeah, right? No, like, she but, but but she may be, she may be kicking moment. ass. Maybe no, that was right. like a Boba Fett moment where you're like, that's cool armor, but it didn't do anything yet. I, I, I've been talking about this recently that if, so we're, we're within a matter of days, The Force Awakens will overtake the box office in America for yeah. the, the highest grossing film of all time in America. And then it will probably go on to take the world depending on um, how many of those old 3D Avatar ticket prices it, it can knock out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Avatar, a completely unmemorable movie. Uh, no one can even name characters from it anymore. It was, uh, it was a technology like showcase. That's it all it was. Yeah. But then yeah. you look you, you look at something like Titanic, I mean pretty straightforward romance film with with amazing special effects. Great movie. I love that movie. You, you really look at something movie. like Lost World, which is like a fun popcorn film or not Lost World, uh, Jurassic World. Yeah. In terms of being able to Kill talk him. Yeah. Oh. In, Sorry, in terms of being able to talk and about and unravel a, a highest grossing film of all time. Mhm. Nothing's come close to Star Wars. Yeah, like with the uh, the depth and complexity that this film has, and the the stuff that we still don't know, and the stuff that we're all every time I, t- I talk about this movie with people, it turns into thirty minutes yeah. of theorizing, did, yeah. which yeah. you don't get. You, you've never gotten with we have any to other talk movie. TV shows too. Yeah, you've never gotten this with any other you know top ten highest grossing movie of all time. So mm-hmm. I think it's something special. It means it, it means maybe that we're heading towards a smarter time. You know that yeah. uh, like the last time Star Wars got really big in the seventies, it created this amazing amazing i don't even know if it was a resurgence because it hadn't happened yet but a surgence of weird sci-fi and uh alien movies and space and people got interested in going to the moon and and space travel and nasa in in the 80s and stuff like that if we even get a fraction of that this time around I will be incredibly happy if people are all of a sudden like, let's make weird films again. Yeah. I mean, this this movie, the side characters in this movie were weird, grotesque puppets. It's <laughs> you know, like this this is a weird biggest movie of all time, and I love it for that. It made it made kind of sci-fi fantasy like a cool thing to watch, yeah. right? Just like Lord of the Rings brought fantasy more to the forefront. Oh, yeah. Again, it's like it is now this is the world we live in. It's superheroes and spaceships yep. and orcs and dragons and it, it's it's really cool. I don't I'm think happy. Game of Thrones yeah. would have been nearly as popular if it wasn't oh. for Peter Jackson. For sure. For oh, you know, no, kind definitely. of opening those doors and being yeah. like, hey, fantasy, that weird stuff that people used yeah. to draw goblins on their notebooks yeah. and stuff like that. Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, here's Here it is in the big screen. Yeah. And pe- but, all of a sudden yeah. people loved it, you know? Yeah. But, with that, re- but with that resurgence uh, or with this potential resurgence, right, this awakening, if you want to call it that, um, I have to say that episode eight cannot be Empire Strikes Back <laughs> again. Like it can't. This could get away with being a new hope because it's been that long since a film was really like a new hope. Um, right. And that's just in terms of like major beats. Like I really did like Finn. I liked Poe. I liked Ray. BB-8 was a, a fantastic substitute for R2 through most of the movie until R2 shows up. Um, it, it wasn't uh, focused on just trying to remind you that the universe is vast and has a lot of creatures like there were some really cool scenes i love um who's the 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 lady at the bar that they go see maz maz Maz, Maz with the with the glasses i thought she was like this this almost inspirational like yoda like character you know one that's really wise and 
who somehow got this lightsaber that one day she's going to tell you where it yeah. came from. And you feel um, like there's a backstory to all of these characters. And like I'm actually interested in learning more about all of them. Yeah, you and know? then there's some things that we just know. Like we know the, the squarish radar dish on the Millennium Falcon is a replacement to the one that got lost in Return of the Jedi. Yep. Damn you, Yen Num. lick of dialogue <laughs> to support that. Nope. Yet we all know You just know this. it. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's something that is very special about Star Wars that I don't think – Many movies or many entertainment, entertainment, anything that I've tried are capable of pulling off. Um, but that said, I think that the next movie needs to do really chart its own sort of new destiny and just let go of those prequels and really develop these characters. That's why I can't wait till what's what's next for Kylo Ren. Who the heck is Snoke? Yeah. What is going on with Ray and Luke? Uh, is Finn force sensitive or not? Because the line "There's been an awakening" happens after he decides to go rogue. Mm -hmm. Um, which to me signifies he is part of a larger plot in this film that basically just doesn't get developed yet. Sure. Yeah. Uh, to me. I mean, yeah, he could also possible. just be something else. But I mean, I thought, I thought actually Force Awakens had a couple of Empire-esque beats to I it. I thought if the ending felt like Empire, totally, like totally. the way it left you kind of hanging and yeah. stuff. Yeah, but yeah. they didn't lose. They won. Huh. Empire, I mean, Luke, Empire the, it, ends leaves you hanging in with an with a L. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're just there like, ah, oh, we yeah. lost. And he lost a hand. I mean, they, 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 yeah, well, so, I mean, they didn't, did they win? I mean, they killed off one of the most iconic characters from that franchise. And it's also like the new, the Luke, I am your father was now Ben, I am your father. You know, mm -hmm. like that was the same sort of similar reveal. Well, and I like that. Uh, I don't mean to just give this to a new hope, but that Star Wars is about sacrifices. I mean, Ben, mm -hmm. Han clearly knew what he was doing and knew he wasn't coming back. Yeah. I think when he stepped on that bridge. I hope that if, uh, Episode eight copies anything from Empire. It's the only movie that doesn't end with a giant ball exploding, because <laughs> all the rest did. And if they make uh, another one, they are it. That is, that is Wiley e. Coyote ordering from the Acme catalog dude, at this point. First Order got some deep pockets. They terraformed Apparently, the planet deep pockets, which turned into a sun, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? That's pretty nice. All yeah. Right. Let's let's wrap up on TV because we we, we, gotta, we need we to talk TV out. because like. It's awesome that we had big movie, returning movie franchises like Star Wars and Jurassic World and mm -hmm. all that. But, man, television was on fire this year. Okay, what you, what you see? What do you, Come on. on Daredevil was awesome. Daredevil I was thought good. Daredevil, yeah. notwithstanding the stupid costume. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Daredevil was a really good show. Did you watch it? Yeah, I, I'm not nearly as enthused by... What about that Jessica Vin Jones? Vincent Episodic comic Vincent, book television Vincent D'Onofrio, I thought, was an awesome villain. Ben, he was great. He was great. Felt he was like really a human character. Yeah. Super violent moments. I really the love that show. all about him was really good. I, yep. I thought the – oh, yeah, it was great. I yeah. thought the last third of the season was 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 getting – hovering up towards, like, the high-quality television bar that, yep. I, that I appreciate. Jessica Jones was good. Um, I didn't I like it better than that. Daredevil. If you haven't yet, it's it's very very clever. Mm -hmm. Has a really memorable villain, okay. um, but it doesn't like it doesn't wrap up as nicely. I thought, um, okay. but really really enjoyable show. But man, Fargo, you Fargo guys watch season phenomenal. two? Yeah, Fargo. we're not no spoilers, but okay. it, it's freaking bonkers. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna check that. out. It is if season one was almost like the movie Fargo, like mm -hmm. you know the same kind of storyline. Mm -hmm. The second season was more like No Country for Old Men. Totally. It was like you have totally. the Coen now oh, like nice. they connect almost connect the the universes like it felt like fargo season two was like this weird mob movie so that's why it's like nowhere. when i hear people talking about a show like daredevil which is not bad it's yep. pretty good um it's not even i mean putting it next to fargo is like putting you know some it, it feels like a 
like an iPhone game next to a console game. To well, me. Fargo was. I mean, I think Daredevil is an action show, right? Like really good choreo choreography, yeah. like mm-hmm. fights and stuff. Fargo was beautiful. Yeah. Like the way it was yeah. shot was really incredibly good. well written. Yeah. Too. Um, Better Call Saul was amazing. Yeah, that show you watched that one. Back Mr. in like Robot a month. Is on your list. I Mr. See there. Robot. Did you watch I it yet? Love that show. Yeah. Mr. Was Robot really was really good. I watched good. that show several times. Obviously. Uh, Game of Thrones, really good. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to push back on that. I thought this was the weakest season of Game of Thrones yet. I you, felt like they you, hyped up this whole Tyrion meets, uh, I forgot what her, Daenerys. What her name is, Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that got hyped to a level that I was expecting a lot to happen, and a lot didn't happen. Um, I could have just had poor expectations. Also, I mean, my boy Jon Snow, yeah, what happened? Yeah. What's going on yep. there? Yeah, well, I'm saying we'll well, we'll see. We won't see where it goes in the books now because the book is now delayed and it's going to come out after the first episode. I love that every time we write about George R. R. Martin, it's the same picture we use every. It's always yeah, well, a little little captain's (laughs) hat saying, "Sorry, I didn't deliver on deadline." Yep, man in the high castle. Didn't see that. Uh, is it That's good? Man in the High Castle. That's an Amazon Prime thing, right? Yeah, I Philip, watch that. Philip K. Dick novel. Yep. Basically, it's okay. like uh, America lost the war, and the Germans have the East Coast, and the uh, the yep. Germans have the the East Coast, the Japanese have the yep. West Coast. It's funny yeah. you bring up television being so good because some of these shows are digital only. Uh, just, well, just I mean, sort of, uh, I mean, serialized. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you seen yeah. the Nick? Huh? Have you seen the Nick? No. You should watch that show. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You should definitely watch that okay. show. Okay. You're really, really into that. Colbert. It's, yeah. Colbert is really good. True Detective fell off a cliff and was not good. Yeah. First season was really good. But finally, man, Making a Murderer. Yeah. So You're watching it? Oh, good. I am. I'm on episode four. So Are you done? Or yeah, I'm done. done. Give people like just a rough overview because they might not be familiar with it. Uh, this is a Netflix serialized show. It's roughly 10 to 13 episodes, maybe something like that. Yep. 10 episodes. It's 10 episodes, and it is about uh, something that happened in Wisconsin uh, basically 20 odd years ago the imprisonment of a, of a dude. Always in who Wisconsin. Was, was, mm-hmm. Who was wrongfully imprisoned uh, for a crime he didn't commit. 18 years or something yeah, crazy. He served like that, 18 right? years, was released. Uh, was starting to was was basically taking out a lawsuit against the uh, st- the police that put him in jail, and then uh, something happens, <laughs> yeah. and we have a situation where uh, this exonerated uh, ex criminal may not be so exonerated, and yeah. it's crazy. It's it's really good. You cannot like. And Peter a, sent me a text. It's like, like you got to watch this yeah. on on a technical know. level. I mean, the the uh, people working on this had filmed for 10 years to create this show. I mean, mm. this is 10 years of footage. There's a level of access with the, with this with the family and with the police yeah. and the and the and the law uh, that's sort of unprecedented for like you would think like there's so many like hokey shows like this on television, yeah. right? Which is just like here's what happened in this small town robbery. Yeah. Uh, this is so well done and just unparalleled in terms the, of the way they tell the story. So you know like the some of the some of the cliffhanger shows out there right like you you get to the end of an episode like The Walking Dead which yeah. I still enjoy by the way too and I also like to feel The Walking Dead um, you get to the end of the episode you're like oh no now in 20 seconds something's gonna happen and then it goes to like yeah. and then you're like oh, I gotta watch next week this this documentary does that yeah, yeah. They like do that. you they, they're in the courtroom and they're talking to a cop and the defense lawyers who are like who are amazing in that show like it, it's a one-sided documentary just to warn you yeah. It, tell, wanna, it tells the story very much from the the viewpoint of the, the family. against the police department, yeah. and like they are asking this cop questions, and you're like, you see the counter ticking down. You're like, oh, they they're, they're going to totally nail this guy now, and boom, it goes to credits, yeah. right? Like mm. it, they they get their question, and the cop says something. Yeah. You're like, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So it's completely riveting. The first episode is okay. 
Like the first episode tells the story of the original case and then how this guy got out. He's not the most likable likable guy. So it's not like serial where you like the you like the murderer basically yeah. or the proposed uh, the alleged murderer. Mm-hmm. But then as you see this kind of comedy of errors unfold and mm-hmm. like all the like you can't help but turn into Oliver Stone and think there's some sort of conspiracy going mm-hmm. on. It's completely riveting. Yeah, no. yeah. I, I described yeah. it to you guys this morning as as um, corruption multiplied by idiocy. Yeah, <laughs> which I feel like is <laughs> a good way to put it. It's it's just bad things happening to good people who are in turn doing incredibly stupid things. That I don't know if they're the, good people, but yeah, I don't know yeah, either. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, so that's all up in the air. I mean, there's a without without spoiling anything. This is obviously still a it's still a thing, and people yeah. are still talking yeah, you about should it. Check and, it out, but, uh, if yeah. you're listening to. But this I, I gotta say, I, I don't. You know, if it wasn't for the cheese, Wisconsin, what the hell is going on? I don't know. Marty's from Wisconsin. Huh? You ask him. Huh? I wonder if Marty knows anything about that. Marty like, and Chris Carl and mm-hmm. yeah. Um, the the cheese, on. your cheese is good, but you do have some crazy people, man. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Sorry, Wisconsin listeners. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about one last thing. Uh, if you could pick your favorite thing of 2015, what was it? Like your favorite, favorite thing. And just give it a little. Fa- like for media or anything, anything yeah. period? Yeah, just the coolest thing that happened in 2015. That It could be a piece of media. It could be something. Maybe don't make it personal unless you want to make it personal. Oh, you. I was going to make it personal. I didn't make it personal. Uh, I went on my honeymoon. That's that's a I kind of said I got married I got married two years ago. Congratulations, thank you. Uh, but yeah, I was I was I was never really the kind of guy who was like I'm gonna get married. I was always uh, like I'm gonna be a bachelor forever. Mm. And then I met somebody great, and we got married, and we went to Paris, which was just like Paris and Barcelona and Nice, and it was just like hanging out and just running around Europe and drinking great wine and going to great restaurants and having a good time. Like that's I don't know. Like we we travel a lot for this job, and I think you kind of trick yourself into thinking that you're 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 traveling but you're kind of not i mean yeah. you're you're kind of like going to a convention center or a town you never relax you, yeah, 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 yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. so it's, it's it's good to do that and i don't know if i've said this before on other shows but i urge people to to do that if they can just remind yourself that it's good to just kind of get away yeah. from things every now and then. i got to travel more i have i have three kids so it's always a little hard but my my wife and i got away to um to go to my my brother's 50th birthday in the Cham- uh, the champagne region in in france like we went to reims um and it was amazing it's, it was a beautiful mm-hmm. day yeah, yeah it was just so cool so we had this little getaway but no the biggest thing for me i i bought a i bought a tesla this year and like and nothing you crashed it nothing comes a little bit <laughs> nothing comes close uh the the front <laughs> i dented yeah. i dented the front bumper and for some odd reason it takes longer to fix that than it takes to build that i thought car. it would self-heal no you would no think. the body shop it's like it's always one like well we were gonna work on it but now we're close for christmas so yeah it's it's been. I've been driving a smoker for a while, which has it's been a torture. Though. It's Whatever. a smoker. It's, it's a rental car. You, I asked him like, oh, he's like, oh, uh, I was like, so what are you driving around? He's like a Mercedes. I'm like, oh, well, at least you, it wasn't yeah. a step down. He's like, step down. It was a I, smoker. I was like, I don't want this gas. I your, know. your backup car is nicer than most people's car. Look, I my know. backup car is made by Nike. <laughs> <laughs> I know, nice. I I know this sounds a little bit like Mr. Burns, like, ooh, I can't go back. Yeah. but Jeez. I can't go back. No, no, man. I feel like, you. That car is the Model S is so nice. Like when you when you drive another car, you 
already in that short uh, period of time that I've owned it, I've taken all these things for granted. Like the fact that you don't ever have to pull a parking brake. Like the car is like, why? Why should you pull a parking brake? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's on when it's parked. It's off when it's not parked. Right? right. Like it has all these little things. Like you never turn the car on. You never turn it off. It after a while, it knows you get in your car at seven thirty to drive to work, and so it'll precondition the car and turn on the instrument panels and heat seat heat. Your seat and stuff. Like it does all this stuff no, for that's you. Really smart. No, I was just and then you say... forget that you had to do all that stuff by yourself before. Yeah. So, like, when I got the rental car, I parked the car and it was a keyless entry car. It's a keyless entry car, the rental. It's a Mercedes. I got it's out. I'm like, what is, I'm like, what is, what is that noise? I'm like, oh, I left the engine on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> excellent. That's yeah. great. Wow. Is, there, is there a way I people, people can this. drive, can drive one of these without, like, is there, can yeah. you go down and just test drive one? Yeah, you can absolutely go there. It's, I mean, they're super friendly. Yeah, just put and on a monocle yeah. and, a, and a top hat. No. Or, a, no. or a disguise. <laughs> no, they <laughs> steal it. They're very welcoming because they, they know that eventually you'll have to, uh, you'll have to drive a car. It'll like, like plant the seed inside they're freaking you. awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jose, what, what about you? Um, I think my favorite thing of 2015 isn't personal, but rather it's something that, uh, that I didn't think I would honestly be into at all. Like if you had asked uh, me a year or two ago, like would I really care about um, uh, dressing or, uh, up as animals? No, I don't know. <laughs> what's wrong with you? Um, no, I really like the. Uh, That's weird. That was really weird. You scared me because <laughs> he, he set it up so beautifully. I did, yeah, kind of. All right, um, go. No, in in New York City, uh, uh, Broadway uh, musical opened up off Broadway. Oh yeah. That then went on Broadway. And it has been the talk of the town, and it's all I love to either read about or watch interviews about or just listen to because they have a cast album out. But it's called uh, Hamilton, an Mm -hmm. American musical. It is absolutely amazing. Um, I can't help but recommend, like, if you live in New York City and you have not gone to see the show and you're not into theater, you don't have to be in the theater. That's the beautiful part. And you can get tickets. And you can get tickets. It is a hip-hop musical about the life of Secretary Treasury Alexander (laughs) Hamilton. And just by that description alone, you're probably sitting there saying, oh, man, this is probably some hokey ABC special. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really care about, like, these little clever knowing winks. Trust me. This thing uh, is incredible. Written by uh, 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 a writer who I followed before, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, he d- did a show in 2008 called In the Heights that was really cool. More recently, in like 2014, he did a show with uh, This American Life and Ira Glass, if you know what that show is. But they had a This American Life uh, from the BAM. I forgot what that stands yeah. for. But uh, What I got to do Yeah, to be he wrote an 18-minute musical for that. And this thing's just really smart. It's, it's, uh, it takes the... It takes on this period of revolution and where, you know, eloquence was measured by the style of your writing and how eloquent you were as a writer and how how good you were as a writer. And it just kind of transfers that into a medium that's a bit more, you know, contemporary in in rap and hip hop. Um, Very, very smartly written. Like, if you listen to the cast album, you're going to have to do a little of connecting the dots because you're not going to understand that the song You'll Be Back is a breakup song where the king of England is basically <laughs> lamenting that the colonists have turned on him. Mm-hmm. Like the opening line of that song is, uh, uh, oh man, I forget. Um, it is uh, something my, my I, I'm just, I'm blanking because I'm you'll be back. You guys are yeah, no, yeah. that's it. Oh, you say the price of my love is a price you're not willing to pay. Huh. Uh, you smile, like something like that. Um, and it, it is, you don't realize that that's who's singing that song, but when you put that together, you're like, holy uh-huh. cow, that makes a ton of sense. Then later in the show, my fa- one of my favorite songs is the one at the end of Act One, where it's called Nonstop, and it's about uh, Alexander Hamilton's nonstop work ethic, how he kept fighting and fighting and fighting for the things that he believed in and wouldn't put family first and wouldn't put 
uh, friends first. Like he just had these ideals he believed in and he pushed for. Um, and it's just super relatable. Disagreements are cabinet battles that are rap mm. battles where like Jefferson, awesome. and, yeah, Jefferson and Hamilton are going at each other's throats over things like slavery, over things like uh, the financial plan that Hamilton pulled in. Anyway, I'm going on a it's, little bit too much about this, but this show is incredibly smart. I think you should give it a chance. It's on Spotify or whatever you listen to. Yeah, you brought this up last last month. And, you know, like since then, I feel like every second episode of Colbert has like one of the actors <laughs> slash singers on it yeah. or one of the writers. And it's just whenever they perform one of the pieces, just really, really good. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's so cleverly it's this written. this cross-section yeah. of hip-hop meets history meets musical theater, which is to me, it feels like a dying medium. Like yeah. I just, you know, you got episodes of Glee that kind of blew up like not so long ago. But what is really cool that's a musical these days that isn't a Disney thing? You sure. know, like Disney musicals are pretty much all anyone talks about. And those are like kids' movies or considered yep. kids' movies yep. um, or family films. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a very moving show. I think you should totally check it out. Um, and it, it, to me, I guess it's a little more personal too because it's a Puerto Rican writer. It is. Uh, it's just one of those things that you watch and you feel inspired by it mm-hmm. because you go, man, that is so smart. And the fact that somebody made that happen, yeah, you know, like Connected just the dots. like you would, if you got that pitch for that musical, you would say that's crazy, that's crazy, that's never going to work, oh, yeah. you know. And I feel like the same way, like Inside Out, like the Pixar yeah. movie, like if somebody told you they're going to make this work as a movie that adults and kids can enjoy, I'd be like, get out of here. Yeah. This is, is going to flop. It's going to be boring. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. But but Inside it works. Inside Out is on that yeah. list, by the way, of favorite things. That was such yeah, a smart movie. Yeah, that was good, right? That was such a smart movie yeah. that mm-hmm. there's a little crew of starship people in your yeah, head fantastic. sort of reacting and to the world. I hope John Oliver was on that list too, yeah. right? Did you watch his show? Um, no, I didn't. HBO John uh, Oliver. I need okay. to watch more of his show. Oh, it's yeah, so he's fantastic. Really yeah, I will say the, the last coolest thing Hamilton related is that Disney did hire Lin-Manuel Miranda for uh, a, a Disney movie that's coming out next November. Uh, it has some Hawaiian theme or something. I forget the name, but I'm really curious. And he also did a song in Force Awakens, the song that was playing at Maz's Tavern. Oh, oh the, really? the reggae song. Yeah. Yeah, that's him <laughs> and, uh, and J.J. Abrams doing some, uh, I forget. But anyway, we've gone on long enough. Awesome. Uh, this is this year's uh, off-topic episode for Nintendo Voice Chat. I am Jose Otero. That is Per Schneider. Hello. That is Brian Altano. Where do they find you guys on the, on the internet? How do, how do people talk? Per IGN for me. Okay. Agent Bizzle for me. And on Twitter, Jose underscore Otero for me. Back to Splatoon. Back to Splatoon. Back to Nintendo. Uh, I think we'll be back next week, and we're going to talk about 2015. We're going to look back. We're going to tell you our favorite Wii U games, our favorite 3DS games. Believe it or not, we will choose. Maybe we'll come up with our own little awards. The insert clever name here. I don't know what we're going to call them yet. Uh, But anyway, thank you very much for listening. And we'll be back next week with your regularly scheduled Nintendo podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, you could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you're here with us in New York City. Are you ready for a cabinet meeting? The issue on the table. Secretary Hamilton's plan to assume state debt and establish a national bank. Secretary Jefferson, you have the floor, sir. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We fought for these ideals, we shouldn't settle for less. These are wise words, enterprising men quote them. Don't act surprised, you guys, cause I wrote them. Ow, but Hamilton forgets. His plan would have the government assume state debts. Now place your bets as to who that benefits. The very seat of government where Hamilton sits. Not true. Oh, if the shoe fits, wear it. If New York's in debt, why should Virginia bear it? 
Uh, our debts are paid, I'm afraid. Don't tax the South, cause we got it made in the shade. In Virginia, we plant seeds in the ground. We create. You just wanna move our money around. This financial plan is an outrageous demand, and it's too many damn pages for any man to understand. Stand with me in the land of the free. Pray to God we never see Hamilton's candidacy. Look, when Britain taxed our tea, we got frisky. Imagine what gonna happen when you try to tax our whiskey. Thank you, Secretary Jefferson. Secretary Hamilton, your response. Thomas, that was a real nice declaration. Welcome to the present. We're running a real nation. Would you like to join us? Or staying mellow, doing whatever the hell it is you doing, Monticello. If we assume the debts, the union gets a new line of credit, a financial diuretic, how do you not get it? If we're aggressive and competitive, the union gets a boost. You'd rather give it a sedative? A civics lesson from a slaver. Hey, neighbor, your debts are paid because you don't pay for labor. We plant seeds in the South. We create and keep Ranting. We know who's really doing the planting. And another thing, Mr. Age of Enlightenment, don't lecture me about the war. You didn't fight in it. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.